it's up to you and me to shine a guiding light and lead the way. United by our cause, we have the power to pursue what we believe. We'll achieve the realization of our dreams. Hello, I'm Vaughan Benison. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of New Horizons. Over the next two weeks, we talk all things technology. We're joined by Damo McMorrow, Access Technology Manager with Vision Australia. Damo, thanks for joining us on the program and uh, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about your role with Vision Australia and uh, how long you've been there. Sure. So I'm the National Access Technology Manager for Vision Australia. So I have, a, I guess, an overarching responsibility for the whole AT service. So that includes our um, support for our AT specialists out in the field that work with clients, our AT help desk, and we also have some uh, lead consultants as well. Um, started there, it's just... It'll be 10 years in November. So I started there as an AT specialist uh, working the field, doing things like you know job access, um, workplace mods assessments, those types of things, working with clients in schools and homes and that type of thing. And then I've uh, been in the national manager role since 2018. Um, still get to do some hands-on. So I still do some work in the education sector, still do some job access work, uh, you know, to just to sort of keep... Um, across everything that's happening um, and then sort of have the, the, the management responsibility on top of that. Well, it's, uh, I guess, a little bit about what's happening that we're here to talk about uh, today. There have been some significant changes to assistive technology, both from a process and policy standpoint uh, within Australia, but also in terms of the technologies that are available. And I'm really keen to understand a little bit more about uh, wearable technology in particular. And firstly, why should we be interested in wearable technology, but also to talk a little bit about why we should be concerned about some of the trends that we're seeing. Okay, sure. Um, so yeah, wearables, I think, um, have been a f significant game changer over the last couple of years. But in the last 12 months, we've seen some sort of advance advancements in that space as well. So Obviously, the advantage of a, a wearable device is that you can operate it largely hands-free. Um, and wherever your head is looking, that's kind of where the camera on the device is looking. And there's a number of different uh, devices in that space. You know, probably the first one that we came across was things like the Iris Vision, the OrCam, um, and then later on things like the Envision glasses, uh, the ARX Vision headset out of the UK, uh, and things like the Vision Buddy. So some of these devices are a magnification device, so things like the Iris Vision and the Vision Buddy are predominantly a magnification device, although they do provide some OCR and that type of thing. Whereas devices like the Envision glasses, ARX, um, are predominantly an OCR slash reading device, but Envision and ARX in particular sort of include things like object recognition so that you can, uh, for example, have a, a scene described to you, uh, things like currency recognition, um, face recognition, all of those sorts of things. And some of them, so the ARX actually does that on the fly. So it'll give you, for example, a uh, an idea of what it can see. So you'll get a feedback something like uh, a glass shop front with text that says floss family dental phone three eight double two two three double two 
Um, so it'll you know give you the the text recognition as well as the object recognition. Um, I had a case a little while ago. I was having coffee with my partner, and uh, it I had the ARX on, and it said uh, a woman sitting at a table drinking a cup of coffee. It looks like Marion, and text that says one hundred six, which is our table number. So some of these devices combine those modes um, into ones, whereas things like the Envision glasses. Have you treat them as distinctly separate modes, so you know, depending on what you're wanting to look at, whether you're wanting to read text or whether you're wanting a scene description. What we're seeing now, though, as well, is is sort of um, more AI. So we, you know, we, we've seen AI used for um, object recognition and those sorts of things, but we're now starting to see things like you know Chat GPT capability built into some of these devices. So with Envision, you know, if you were to scan. A menu, for example, you could say, tell me the cheapest thing on the menu, uh, tell me all the vegetarian options, or how much is the chicken sandwich? And I, I think that's where I see one of the one of the big problems. And to be honest, I haven't really put these things through their paces yet. But there have been a lot of caveats around the use of artificial intelligence uh, in the last six to 12 months or so, particularly in regard to chat GPT uh, and other uh, allied um you know, large language models and things like that, basically to say that if they don't have a definitive answer to something, they will make something up. My concern there is that um, I can imagine, for example, that if you're scanning a menu and uh, it hasn't scanned particularly well and you said, how much is the chicken sandwich? Is there a potential for it just to make up the answer? Quite possibly. Uh, I've got to be honest and say I haven't put that sort of particular example to the test um, one would hope that it would be smart enough to say that there isn't a chicken sandwich on the menu or that it can't recognize one but um, yes I mean that's certainly a risk and it, it is you know I guess it is very new technology and it is uh, it is experimental um, so you know I think it, it, it's probably moved a little bit faster than perhaps people were anticipating and um, because of that, yeah, you do sometimes get some wildly inaccurate answers, even just, uh, you know, typing things into the computer and seeing what it comes back with. I've had some some interesting results at times. Um, so, yeah, I think there is it, – it's probably at a point at the moment where uh, it's helpful and it's, it's certainly nice to be able to say, okay, you know, yeah, give me all the vegetarian options or whatever. It just makes it a, a quick way to scan things. But um, – I think I would probably, you know, be doing a little bit of checking myself to make sure that it was actually correct most of the time. The The technology is there to augment the information we already have, I think, rather than to be a, a substitute for our own skills and our own intellect and our own powers of reasoning and all of those sorts of things. And I, I think that there's a lot of uh, mainstream interest in this. And to be clear, wearable technology is not new in the blindness space. I mean, we had the Sonic Guide back in the 1960s, and there have been many other uh, head-worn devices, uh, particularly focusing on orientation and mobility for quite some time uh, since then. But there's been quite a lot of mainstream interest in this type of technology. And in fact, the Envision glasses themselves are built on uh, Google's uh, uh, Google Glass there has been a recent announcement from Apple about a new product that's coming out, which I don't know how useful it'll be to blind people, but I can imagine that an augmented reality device such as the uh, the Vision Pro uh, would have some significant ramifications for low vision people. 
I think it would. And I, I think also that if it can be used by third-party apps and services, uh, for example, to provide a wearable solution for things like Ira and Be My Eyes, which are the services that are sort of a visual interpretation service. You know, I think if it can be used in that way, then um, definitely it has a, a lot of potential. I mean, we don't know masses about it at this stage and how exactly it's 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 going to work. But I think given that it is, you know, a mainstream device if we can you know harness some of that capability for our own purposes you know using some of these third-party apps then uh, definitely I think it has the potential to be quite an exciting development. There is a significant number of technologies that are currently in devices and a significant number of use cases for example uh, using LiDAR to be able to detect when you're following someone in a queue or something like that that would be excellent on a head-worn device. It would, yes. Um, whether they would sort of see that there was enough of a market for a, a you know a stripped down version of that, um, I, I suspect probably not. Mm. Um, but you know, never say never. But yeah, definitely some of those things. I mean, even the, the sorts of things you can do with lidar on, you know, your, your standard sort of um, you know your iPhone Pro models using the magnifier app for things like door detection and those sorts of things. I've used that quite a bit navigating hotels and that kind of thing when I travel for work. Um, so if you could sort of, you know, incorporate that into something head-worn, it would certainly, um, you know, certainly be extremely helpful. Where are we at in terms of people actually learning to use this sort of technology? How simple is it to come to grips with and what is actually required to sort of, I guess, get off the ground in terms of using it? Uh, that's a bit of a difficult one to answer because it, it sort of depends a little bit on the person, whether they've got, you know, um, good, uh, whether they've got any usable vision and whether they've got good spatial awareness, you know, and knowing sort of where the camera is actually looking. Um, and I mean, even then, you know, for myself, I've had situations where I've thought, hmm, why isn't that working? And then I've realized that the blinds are closed and the room's actually fairly dark. I've got no light perception. So, you know, even for someone who uses this stuff, you, you can still um, have some difficulty, I think, just in terms of, you know, as I said, things like head positioning, knowing whether you've got sufficient light to read things, that sort of stuff. The technology itself I don't think is difficult to use in that, you know, a lot of it uses either voice commands or a sort of touch interface which you know if you've used a an iphone or an android phone you know would be reasonably familiar so i don't think the the technology itself the you know the the way that you control it and that sort of thing is complicated i think though probably there's a little bit bit more of a learning curve in understanding and interpreting the information you're getting but also understanding its limitations and understanding that perhaps, you know, if it's not working, is it because I'm holding the object too close, too far away, I don't have sufficient light, um, I'm not actually looking, you know, centred at the, the page or the device. And it does provide some guidance, things like the Envision glasses, um, you know, will provide guidance and say move the document up or down or left or right to try and get the best scan. So it does try to help you. But uh, so I wouldn't say it's... it's um, it's complex, but I would say that being realistic, there is, there is a learning curve to all of this technology in terms of getting the best out of it. 
Training is available though, isn't it? Vision Australia offers training for things like this? Yes, we do. Um, we, we, we do offer training and we generally would recommend training if we were sort of doing a... Um, you know, an assessment for funding for one of these sorts of devices. And there is also uh, support available through Vision Australia's AT Help Desk. So, you know, if you have a question, you've got one of these devices and you just can't get something to work, you can call the help desk and get phone and email support. Um, and all of the team on that um, help desk are either blind or low vision themselves. They all use a lot of this technology themselves in their daily lives, you know, all day, every day. Um and if they don't have the answer on the spot, they'll certainly uh, work work hard to find it for you. So, yes, there there is support available, but I, I think it it is important to sort of you know to to take the time to to do you know to to learn how to use it properly. Um, you know, access training if it's available, and if you if you know if if you're able to and you have the time to do it, because you probably will get more from the device. Um, by doing that, as you said, there is a cost benefit, but you know the 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 devices, they are costly. So you sort of you want to get the most out of them that you can. Um, you know, if you if you only ever read information at home, then you know you, a wearable may not actually be necessary. You may be better with a either using your phone or using a sort of a standalone reading appliance like a, a Read Easy Evolve or a Clear Reader or something like that. Whereas if you're in a situation where you're reading information out and about, um, you're traveling, you're needing to use it um, in, a, in a whole lot of different environments, then you know you probably would get the benefit out of um, something that's more portable and potentially wearable, especially if you're using a cane or a dog and you know needing to access information on the fly. And more on that topic next week. If you'd like to get in touch with Blind Citizens Australia, you can call 1-800-033-660, or of course you can email bca at bca.org.au, bca at bca.org.au. I'll talk to you again next week. We'll achieve the realisation of a dream, of our dream.